Hey, the world's full of fantastic music. Each month, we explore an album of significance, its roots, how it makes us feel, and then banter about its influence and staying power. Join us on our journey as we dissect, discuss, and discover some of the world's greatest albums on The Sonic Collective. I'm Alan here with Darren Scott, Scott Gregory, and Scott Coates. This month, June 2021, we listened to the album Sublime by the band Sublime. That was my pick for the month, and we are going to head right into the review now. Um, it was my my pick, so I'll go last, and let me throw it over to Scott Coates first to see what he thinks. Yeah, this album I knew really well. I bought it when it came out, probably like a lot of people. I remember this being a really huge album and liking it a lot, and it was fun to come back and listen to it in its entirety because, I mean, I've certainly listened to the singles over the years, but I don't think I'd listened to the whole album in probably 15 years or something. It's it's neat. I mean, I, I really like that kind of ska reggae sound. And it's just, I think it was big at the time because there was nothing else really like it, but there actually was kind of stuff like it. And it seemed that while an original sound, something was going down in Orange County, California at that time, because you also had no doubt around that same time in the 90s who were pumping out kind of a similar ska type of sound. So I find it neat in musical evolution. Like, where did this ska sound come from then? I mean, a bit of a carryover in some respects I, I have to the police, you know, back in the 80s, a three-piece cranking out pop ska. Um, but overall, yeah, good lyrics, really, really personal, you know, like, I mean, this was about these guys' experience in their lives and moms doing drugs and the scene. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like it overall. Obviously, the tracks for me I really dug were the ones everyone does. Santeria, What I Got, still stands up really well. A pawn Shop. I've got to say, while I like the album, all the other tracks just kind of blur together to me. Not necessarily in a, in a bad way, but... I can't really pick them out beyond that. And I noticed when I put it on, maybe I was cooking or doing something. Yeah, beyond those standout singles, it would just kind of all blend together. I liked it. It was a good vibe, but specific songs weren't sticking together. And the thing I always go on about, I I'd say just a bit, a bit long. If they'd kept this to like 45 minutes, I think it would have been just a bit tighter. I think it comes in just a bit over an hour. And I think there's a bit of fat there, you know, that maybe makes me, I found myself getting a little bored of it, a little tired of it, you know, probably three quarters of the way through. So I think if perfection, probably, you know, they could have trimmed 25% of this album, but you know, it also got me thinking of a semi-similar album too. Whitey Ford Sings the Blues by Everlast. 90s kind of thing, similar kind of vibe. But overall, solid album. I like it because it was just really unique, really different for that time. So throw it over to someone else there, Alan. Great. Thanks, Scott. Uh, let's go to Scott Gregory. Hey, so yeah, as I mentioned in the ZZ Top review, uh, I'm a big fan of fusion when, uh, you know, there's nothing better than when someone reconstructs a genre along new lines, uh, especially if it's already another established genre that uh, they smash them together, right? When everything's getting mucked up. So in this case, as Scott mentioned, uh, it was hard rock and ska. Uh, 
Apparently, this is in the same family as third wave ska bands, like No Doubt, already mentioned, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, who I really love as well, too, and the Dancehall Crashers coming in third, probably, on my list of things that I like. Uh, Yeah, but I'm a big fan of them all, Uh, so I was super eager to dig into this album for the first time. I knew the singles. I had never listened to the album in its entirety ever before, so I agree with Scott about the, the lyrics. Uh, I I think it's especially since the tragic nature of Bradley Knoll's demise. It reminds me of Jeff Buckley, uh, another person that was taken before their time. And when you have that context and you're just listening to what's clearly a very autobiographical album, uh, it, it just makes it all the more personal and intimate uh, an experience. Overall, I enjoyed it, but yeah, Scott really stole a lot of my thunder here. Overall, uh it just felt really long and I had to check the time on it and it was only 57 minutes, but it felt like a lot longer and it was 17 tracks and I just didn't find anything really novel in like songs six through 15 outside of Pawn Shop and Caress Me Down. I really liked, I, I love the singles off of this. Uh, they're just solid. They're they're timeless. Steal them immediately for all of your your uh, playlists, but outside of, like I said, Pawn Shop was really great. Caress Me Down well, it was a really interesting sound to it, too. But I think you could have cut five songs from this album, no problem. Still had something very original, emotive, uh, and much tighter to deliver. When you've got several styles like this being mashed up, it's kind of more of a sampler anyway than, uh, you know, with all these different musical permutations. So shrinking it wouldn't have had that much of an effect, in my opinion, other than making it tighter and better. Like Paddle Out, gone. Jailhouse and Seed, gone. Maybe Garden Grove, too. But that doesn't detract from what otherwise is an amazing uh, set of tracks. You know, you can just skip a chunk of it, like I said, maybe 30% out the door. All right, well, uh, yeah, I'll jump in, Darren, here, last one, I guess, till we throw it back to Alan. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember this album well. I am um, love my kind of alternative 90s, 80s, and uh, I remember when this came out, and uh, I own uh, this album and I, a couple of their EPs as well. And I, and I, I do really, really like Sublime. Um, so I was familiar with this album. You've mentioned all the songs, and you're right. Uh, th- there's some really good classics on there. And, like, I mean, the fact that you named four, yeah, there's 17 tracks, which is kind of weird, although it's almost back to where, you know, in the old kind of 50s, 60s, 70s, all the songs were two minutes long. So they are short songs a lot of times, but you're right. It does kind of drag out a bit, but it's not like... The other songs are horrible by any means. There's a bunch of covers on there, but uh, they're still they're still good. They're listenable. But you're right; they don't they don't blow your mind. Um, but I mean, this was a young band, and again, I I, I believe, and I mean, the members we nobody mentioned it, but Bradley Noel uh, was lead singer and guitarist. Uh, he was kind of last to the band. He came in, and it was before it was Eric Wilson on bass and Bud Gaw a Goth. I'm not even sure how you pronounce his last name. Sorry, Bud. Um, but they they were high school buddies in Long Beach in the late 80s and they kind of started this thing and then they were introduced to Bradley Noel who basically dropped out of uh was it uh, University of California Santa Cruz 
And uh, he's the one that brought the ska reggae kind of influence before they were just more punk. But they were actually trained musicians. And I think it was Bud Goff's dad was actually a musician and taught him how to read music and actually play. So um, those two were good. Mind you, then heroin and alcohol were introduced to this band. And uh, and they really struggled with it. Uh, there was a quote, uh, you know, and I saw it, and I, I, I think it was Bud saying, you know, basically we got up and we drank. And then we drank some more and then we played and then we got really wasted. And it was just like, yeah, that was kind of the lifestyle of the band. And I mean, I can imagine like late eighties beach band, California, they used to play in backyards for like two to 300 bucks to a couple hundred people and just go backyard to backyard. And that's how they made, made it. No labels were interested in them. So they just started when they're like, yeah, we'll just say we're signed by skunk records, which they literally just made up. And, and they just said they were skunk records. Um, and which actually became a label after because they started making money and then made it a label. But that's how they would get gigs. They would just lie. But they just basically made up that. So, I mean, they kind of, they they earned their stripes, you know, in the kind of California punk scene. It was a new sound. I agree. Very influenced uh, you know, by that ska reggae. They were also massive hip hop fans. A lot of people don't realize that they loved NWA. They loved Too Short. Uh, they used a lot of their samples on the album from uh, various rappers. Uh, Public Enemy, they loved as well um yeah i mean interesting you know really interesting band but you're right like it does get pretty tragic i mean uh, uh you know basically he uh they played a concert and uh they were on this tour and then uh, uh bradley went checked into a hotel in san francisco with his dog and the dog was a big part of the band lou dog or louie named after uh bradley's grandfather um, but he was his constant companion. The dog would be on stage. And apparently there's even a story. They, they were on the very first Vans Warp Tour and they literally like were one of the headliners and they got kicked off because they get so drunk, belligerent, and they would fight with people and the dog kept biting people and they're finally like, fuck you guys. Like, get the fuck off this tour. Like, it was just like they're out of control. So, um, but at the same time, you know, it's crazy that where I actually find it, their music is quite approachable for alternative and really punk is what it was known as. Um, it's quite approachable. Uh, and Scott Coates had mentioned, no doubt, and I think Scott Gregory as well. Uh, they toured with them at the time. They all were kind of in the same circuit. They were all around the same time. So they knew them. Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, really interesting brand that way. Um, you know, uh, I, I, th I think really, you know, the sad part, you know, he died. And th that was two months before this album, which was the third album. They had some EPs and then they kind of released this. But uh, two months before it uh, was released, that's when Bradley died. So a lot of people thought, oh, they're so big and they wanted to go see them. But there was no band like it was already done by then. Uh, they did reform in one uh, kind of faction. And it was just like they had to change the name. And it was uh, uh, sublime with... Uh, I don't know if it was Rome or Rome Ramirez, uh, who was this other singer that just was a big fan and apparently could emulate uh, Bradley pretty good. So um, they did kind of stay together in this other iteration for a while, but I don't think very long. And basically, I didn't know that until we researched this. So I I, I don't think they played a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, and this, uh, this album came out, it was 1996, July 30th, 1996. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, they sold 17 million albums worldwide Whew. as a band, considering they were like so young. It, that's amazing. So, uh, I mean, a lot going on there, but let's get it back to you, Alan. Like, uh, what did you think of this? Sonically, this album was super interesting. You could really hear the blend of all these different genres that came together. Um, definitely the punk 
rock influence and the reggae influence. But Darren, like you mentioned, the hip hop, you know, they were they were sampling. I think Mob Deep got sampled and uh, uh, can't remember KRS One. Maybe I, ca I can't remember who they they sampled. But there's like a big list on the Wikipedia page uh, just talking about the samples they used. Um, yeah, Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick. I just happen to have it up here. Even yeah. like the Ohio players, but uh, you know, yeah, they they sampled a lot. Yeah, for sure. And then they covered a bunch of stuff. They even covered like old jazz songs. Um, so just like really fascinating. Um, and I knew a lot of the singles that that got radio play or whatever. Um, but this was the first time I ever did a deep dive into the, the actual album. And I, I think I have to align with uh, Scott and well, both Scott's actually. Um, it just seems like, yeah, there's there's 17 tracks on this album and a few of them could be cut and you wouldn't really miss much. I do think the songs that were chosen as singles were probably, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I've heard them a million times, but like, I think those were actually the, uh, the more solid, more approachable songs, the ones that um, people would be inclined to come back to. Uh, I do want to touch on Bradley's voice really quick. I think he has just a fantastic voice, um, just a super good vocalist. I mean, he, uh, he can sing really well. He's got this nice clear tone, but he can bust on into the, the rap and like drop some Spanish in there. Uh, Caress Me Down, I think it is, where he's like busting out Spanish and, and English um, seamlessly. I think that's really cool. Uh, he did a little bit of rapping and even I think, uh, what's the song? Paddle Out, I think might have been, where he's kind of like doing a screamy voice. Yeah, just like really versatile vocalist blew me away. I didn't, I knew he was a good singer, but I, I didn't know he was quite that versatile. And it's super tragic. You know, it makes me really wonder if he was still around today um, and Sublime was still doing their thing. Like, I would have loved to see the direction they took the band because this, this album felt a little like spaghetti being thrown on the wall and like, some of it stuck and a lot of it, I don't think for our music sensibilities, I don't think a lot of it stuck, but really cool to see, you know, the way they experimented. Um, and then part of me also wonders too, if, you know, the, the tragedy surrounding the release of this album didn't actually help propel it a little bit further into, um, you know, that upper tier of popularity. You know, th that might have played a role if Bradley was still around. Who knows? Maybe this album wouldn't have become as successful as it had. So these are questions I guess we'll never get answers to. But um, yeah, I've been kind of rambling for a little while. Overall, I think uh, it was a very solid album for sure. I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. And just quickly before you go in there, I actually really liked how you said how he was such a good vocalist. And as mentioned, uh, you know, Bud Goff, I think it was, and even Eric Wilson, they were uh, quite trained musicians. And um, a lot of times people just like discount and, you know, punk can be definitely like people learning, <laughs> especially back in the day. But I think by this time, you realize they're tight. And, uh, you know, Brian Johnson, and I think you brought this up, Scott, has a, a, a show on uh, Amazon Prime. Mm. And it's... Um, uh, yeah, I, life geez, on the I road. Can't remember. Life on the road. Thank you, thank you. And it really and it, it was and he just interviews like some big bands. He interviews Sting and you know uh, Robert Plants and uh, 
every single story, every single one. It's just like, yeah, we played like thousands of gigs and thousands of clubs. And I think a band like this too, like you realize they uh, just like, they get tight even though they're wasted, but just the amount of like playing they do and how they kind of earn their stripes is, is pretty noble. So, you know, I like that. Yeah. But yeah, score. So like, I think Scott, uh, you started it coach. So like one of you. Sure. Yeah. Influence is kind of a tough one. Cause I'm thinking influence more in the sense of the time it came out and listening to it. So I'll give it a four. I do remember it really kind of expanding my musical tastes and likes at the time. And, you know, I think now I, I realize I don't think I've ever listened to a full No Doubt album. So I'm going to listen to No Doubt. And I think I'm going to go back and listen to Whitey Ford Sings the Blues, which, I mean, I listened to a bajillion times. Recommend, I give it a five. I think it's a very unique album, a very unique sound from the 90s. Anybody wanting to understand music should definitely listen to it. And overall, I'll give it a four. I think it's a fun album. It's solid. Just a little, just a little long in the tooth. Yeah, I think uh, just taking over here, influenced the same thing for me in context. It, you know, the singles that came out, which is the only things I listened to at that point, but it did carry me over like i said into no doubt into the mighty mighty boss tones i had never really heard ska you know i'd heard the police but i obviously didn't realize that was you know baked into them as well too it was definitely a lot more overt here and to just carry on a little bit what uh you were saying about the musicianship uh pawn shop i really liked it because the guitar uh, in it and so we're calling out his voice but I think the musicianship on here was really good as well too and I think it's worthwhile exploring this album as well too because even though I said the middle part of the album didn't hit me really well it's going to hit people differently right so what I liked about Pawn Shop with the guitar taking that center stage and he's, you know he's not quite Santana but he can play the guitar like a motherfucking riot so uh, people should check it out uh, and it'll hit them differently. So would I recommend? I'm going to give it a four for sure. Five for the singles because they're just epic and four overall on the album. Uh, and then overall four for the album as well, too. But it's a solid four. A solid four. Yeah, yeah. I'll jump in here, too. And, I, and I'm pretty close to all of you as well. Um, and, you know, one thing I kind of jotted down and I thought of this uh, um it's kind of the every person alternative too. like, even though it is considered punk and edgy for its time, it's actually quite consumable, almost pop like in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, the asterisks and this will come out of my scores too, is um, there is a lot of people that believe it or not. And I, I don't know why, but I uh, don't necessarily like that ska or reggae kind of sound. Um, I love it personally. I, 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 I just such a nice vibe. Like, I can put on Best of Marley anytime, even though it's overplayed and it's still good. But, um, but yeah, with that being said, you know, influence, you know, even though I really liked them at the time, uh, you know, they were, they were good. They were kind of new sound, but for me, it's only a 3.5 there. I don't think it really over the top influenced me. They caught my attention, but I, and even listen to this again, it wasn't like, you know, I remember when I think it was, um, uh, yeah, Dr. Dre, uh, Alan picked, or even Dolly Parton recently. And I just like, all of a sudden I'm like, wow, this pick that we haven't listened to in years just blew my mind. And I can't say that about sublime. So, um, but, uh, recommend, I'm going to come in at a four, uh, like others. I think it is a great album though. Definitely worth listening to, especially for that. If you're going back to that kind of eighties, nineties, you know, punk, even rolling into grunge and alternative, uh, definitely a must listen. And overall, I'm going to come in at a four as well. It is a solid album. And like I said, even though like, yes, the other songs are, it's a bit long and the other songs are maybe forgettable, 
They're not bad. They're still not bad. There's not many are like, oh, I got to fast forward through that one. It's still, you can listen to it. And, and again, they are, they were an amazing, you know, amazing musicians. Uh, yeah. And also, I mean, this is sublime. You should definitely be legal high listening to this. So, uh, uh, one of the cannabis companies I really love in Canada is Highland and Nova Scotia. And, uh, the new one I just caught cherry burst is one of my favorite, but, uh, Sensi wizard is a new one. It's really good as well. So get that, put this album on and jam out. And then like, you should be laying in a hammock or something and petting a dog. And I think you'll have a good time. And, uh, you know, to end it off, not necessarily a sad note, but it is sad when, uh, when he did, uh, overdose and heroin. Heroin. Lou Dog was there in the hotel room, and when they found him, and I guess it was like a while later, but Lou Dog was right beside him, right by, and didn't move. And I guess, yeah, so really sad, but uh, too bad. I believe he was a 27 Club as well, too, which is uh, uh, sad. But yeah, all right, back to you, Al. All right. Um, yeah, for influence, I'm giving this a two, only because uh, I've always kind of been into ska and punk music, not so much reggae. Yeah, and I... I guess subconsciously, I never even classified Sublime as ska uh, until, you know, going down the path of reviewing this album. But uh, as far as recommendation goes, I'm giving it a four. The only reason I'm not giving it a five is because I think like we all kind of talked about, there is some filler tracks on this album. So if you didn't want to commit to listening to all 17 tracks, if you just stuck with the singles, um, five out of five for sure. But uh, yeah, four for this album for me. And then overall, again, a four. I think just a really solid album. It's very interesting. Uh, sonically, there's a lot of diversity in the tracks, um, you know, which sometimes we complain about. But I think in this case, it just kind of works. So um, yeah, worth checking out, I think, overall. And uh, yeah, I guess that does it for for the June review of Sublime's third album. Until next time, I think we're going to log out here. I've been Alan, uh, and joining me as always, Scott Gregory, Scott Coates, and Darren Scott. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for listening and exploring with us. We'll be back real soon with another pick and critique of albums that matter here at the Sonic Collective.